Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, the Writer's Room podcast dedicated to fixing the Star Wars sequels. This week, we are bringing you part one of Fixing the Force Awakens. If you're new to the show, consider listening to some of our older episodes, as we have drastically changed a large amount of context and canon introduced in the sequels and the Mandoverse. In a moment, I'll do a brief recap of those changes, but for now, I'm Bryce Quinn, and I'm joined by my writing co-pilot, Carmelo Keating. Oh, hey man, how you doing? I'm pretty good, how are you? Very good. I appreciated that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also joined by our editor and whipmaster, Sandra Carrion. Editor and whip master. <laughs> Alrighty. Context for that. This is please. not a BDSM podcast. This are, we, is, are we sure about that? This, <laughs> this is a podcast where Sandra makes sure that me and Melo do our jobs. Get, oh, yeah. get oh, the work yeah. done yeah, on time. Bryce, would you believe it? After would I believe what? 24 weeks. 24 weeks? 24 weeks of talk. Or episodes, I guess that's how many episodes yeah, we're on. Yeah, about talking about random Star Wars things. For the very first time, we're finally going to read actual treatment content to the yeah, audience we've been i've i personally have been avoiding it i've been putting it off because the second we no. put it out there it's out there forever and we can't take it back but yeah no as you say after months and months of world building character analysis pitching head bashing and shouting matches because we shout at each other we do absolutely we shout at each other we have finally arrived at part one of fixing this force awakens but where is our story starting what has happened in the years following the return of the jedi the death of palpatine and the forming of the new republic so we've spent a lot of time diving into that stuff. Uh, I'd say like a bulk of our time actually has kind of been devoted to this world building part mm. of everything. And yeah. I've got two key elements that I want to address as like our, our grounding for it, which are the Jedi. Luke has been training Ben Solo as well as a group of a small group of younglings from across the galaxy on the remote planet of Ark 2. Luke fought with Han and Leia in the days after the Battle of Endor to bring down Grand Admiral Thrawn, but his best days of fighting are behind him. He is a teacher and a master now. That's that's Luke and Ben as we understand them as characters. And that's yep. like to not dive too deeply into the 20 years of history there. Yep. Uh, and then the next element, the big thing, uh, the New Republic. For the past 20 years, Lando Calrissian and Leia Organa have worked to bring peace and prosperity to the New Republic systems and succeeded. Their main adversary has been the factions of Imperial Remnants, and the crime underworld, who both take up large swaths of the Outer Rim territories. The biggest threat posed by these powers is the construction of Kyber lasers, which are now a known threat to galactic peace. Han Solo and Chewbacca have dedicated much of the past 20 years to hunting down those involved in the secret construction of these weapons and destroying them before they can be used. Yep. So, I'm in agreement with most of that. A lot of that, or so some of that is context for your... Yeah, I your, wanted to try stuff. and keep that like pretty neutral. But, yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that you wanted to change for your beat sheet because I don't know what you've written. Like seventy five, seventy five yeah. percent of mine is is there. I could have so. yeah dive more into it, but that's like the basic gist of everything we've covered up until this point in terms of resetting the Mandoverse, decanonizing it for ourselves. Mm. Mandoverse is not a thing for us, um, and mm. our canon encompasses the live action films, all of them, including Solo and Rogue One. And the TV show Andor, and I'm pretty sure that is it. Or Clone Wars as well. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Clone Wars, yes, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. But like, now Rebels is thrown the wayside. Clone Wars, yes, but Rebels, no. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that's just a little bit close to uh, what we're trying to do here. And Star Wars Resistance is also a no. What? What? What is that? Never heard of it. Get never f- heard of never it. Never once. Get the fuck away from me. But yeah, so that's the context of, of everything here, and we're going to be doing our beat sheet. So I'll be going first, and... Listing out the 11 beats of the Act 1 of the story. Unfortunately, yes, we only have an hour, so it's just Act 1 of the story. And but I'm... if you keep listening, our following up episodes will be the further Act 2 and 3. And I'm curious if I can just get a clarification from the Story Masters. <laughs> <laughs> what do we clarify as an Act 1? I, personally, uh, have been following a lot of uh, the Save the Cat story structure, which is uh, a pretty commonly and pretty popularly used one, especially in like Hollywood movies and stuff. But that'll be taking us from the opening image and the first kind of start of our story all the way to the inciting incident, which propels our story and changes it. 
um, up until the break into Act 2. So if we're going to uh, draw a parallel to A New Hope, that's everything from the start of the film all the way up until Luke, you know, loses uh, his aunt and uncle, yep. meets Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then sets out on his journey towards uh, Mos Eisley Cantina, yep. where he it meets is Han and Han and Chewie. It's the point in the, char- in, the, in the story where the main character's conflicts are established. Characters can be introduced beyond that point, yeah. mm. but obviously your hero character should probably you introduce be introduced your hero, you introduce the that. setup and all that kind of stuff and the, the main driving conflict of the story, et cetera, et cetera. Lovely. That's act one. Thank you for asking that, Sandra. I forgot to put that in. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I was like, oh. No, I, think, I thought it would yeah. be good. Have no. some context. Good point. But yeah, I'm using Save the Cat. I don't know if you've been inspired by anything, Miller, like story structure wise or if you just flying by the seat of your pants. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> baby. Know, just storytelling. Just, yeah. just I, don't, I don't follow structures per se. Yeah. Just what the story uh, commands. So enough flim flamming around. I've been putting this off for so long because I'm just terrified of putting anything out into the world. Go on, Bryce. Tell, tell, tell the it. universe your so Star you're going to tell us ideas. once you finish each beat. So I, it'll be pretty clear. I've got 11 beats here. And once I've read them out, it'll be like pretty clear. Like that's, that's the first beat. And let's uh, go into it. A beat sheet for anyone who's not familiar is just like a list of things that happen in pretty short form. Uh, it's like the stage before you get to a treatment with, and then treatment leads to script. It's very basic yep. events. Yeah. Very, very basic event descriptions. Um, lovely. So the first beat of my beat sheet for act one of the force awakens Han and Chewie work with FN two one eight seven, a runaway first order trooper to infiltrate a death star weapon and destroy it before it can be used. Phasma, who is revealed to have been leaking false information, springs a trap on them, catching Han and Chewie FN two one eight seven escapes. That cool. is the opening thing of our story. That sets it all off. Yeah, cool. Uh, and so that's the first beat, and now yep. we can discuss. Cool. Worth noting that. So you've kept, uh, you know, the the first order are an imperial remnant. Yep. Phasma is leader of that. Yep. FN two one eight seven is a trooper of that. Uh, and when you say Death Star weapon, you mean like a piece of technology, but not so. Kyber laser. Yeah. A yeah. laser that is powered by a kyber crystal that has immense destructive potential, not on the scale of the Death Star. Yep. Cool. I'm. This is interesting. So, FN two one eight seven Finn. Yes, Finn is already a deserter by the start of your script. So that's uh, uh, yeah. I think this is one of the weaknesses of my pitch. <laughs> so Finn starts out deserting Phasma, but still believing in the Empire. He sees Phasma's vision of like destru- destruction of the galaxy mm-hmm. and doesn't believe in it. Gotcha. And he wants to desert and go to a different Imperial faction. That's kind of his... That's where he starts the story. Right. Um, so he's trying to get to a different Imperial faction. He still believes in the Empire, but not in Phasma. And you say Finn escapes, but Han and Chewie yes. otherwise do not? Yeah, Han and Chewie are stuck in prison. They are trapped by Phasma on her ship or something like that. I <laughs> haven't ironed out the details. It's yep. pretty loosey-goosey. But uh, yeah, and then Finn manages to escape somehow and get away. Lovely. Like, I, it's the first beat, so I can't really ask any questions. Cool. <laughs> they get more complicated as we go <laughs> I'm on. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> beat two. We meet Ray, a bounty hunter and scrapper who lives on a space station in the Outer Rim. She is returning from a job, getting paid poorly by Ankar Plutt, a local crime lord, uh, before she goes off to watch some gambling and, you know, talk to some friends and you kind of see the world through her eyes. Life is bleak but neutral. She dreams of escape, though she knows not to where. It's kind of just like a standard setup intro character. Right, yeah, lovely. Is she on Jakku, or is she on a different planet? She is on a space station in space. <laughs> yeah, right. So no planet. Uh, yeah, she is. Uh, she lives on a space station out of her uh, her ship. She has her own ship. Okay, awesome. And it's sort of similar to that space station we see in like Mando's season. Yeah, oh, like Book of Boba is it? Book of Boba Fett. We see um, yeah. the Mandalorian Din Djarin. It's like a Halo ring. But it's sort of like a Halo ring yeah, kind right. of vibe. Yeah. You also see one in uh, Rogue One, built into an asteroid field. Ah. 
like another sort of where the fuck is that that's where uh, Cassian does that assassination of that guy oh yeah, oh, yeah. something right. like that yeah. along, along those lines um, we see yeah so she's living on a space station and she has BB-8 is her pet as well I forgot to mention that mm. and she's being hired by yeah, Uncle Clark right, yeah. and she's doing small jobs yeah she's just doing like make a living kind of jobs she's yeah. scrapping and stuff I'm imagining this bounty that she's bringing back at the start is literally just someone who got in her way mm. while she was out doing scrap work and that person had to happen to have a bounty on them, so she just grabbed them and handed them in for the bounty. It's just like, uh, like a job of convenience almost. Yeah, right. And she knocked them out. Does she use a teaser? Like, does she? Good question. Does she take them in cold? I'm imagining her with blasters, so maybe like a stun, like set to stun kind of set thing. Set to stun. He yeah. said set to stun. <laughs> he said stun. Yeah. So that's beat two. Uh, beat three. Ben and Luke train on Arc Two, training younglings and with each other. Ben mentions that he wants to do his trials, his, his Jedi Knight trials. So he can join his father in being a hero, saving the outer rim from itself. Luke encourages patience and wisdom. There is clearly some friction between the two. And that's kind of the setup uh, that we get for Luke and Ben training yeah. on Arc 2 together. Now, roughly, how old is Ben at the time? 20. 20. Yeah. Definitively Lovely. 20. Yeah, Definitively 20. I yeah. love that. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is 20 years, almost exactly 20 years post uh, Battle of Endor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, awesome. And guess what? It's not a fucking total mystery what happens. Anyway, well, we've got some context for the the intervening events. Yeah, um and he wants to he wants to become a knight. He wants to sort of rush into doing a Jedi Knight trials. Yeah. He knows he's well aware of what Han Solo has been doing for a long time, which is running these missions and uh infiltrating areas in the outer rim mm. uh and being somewhat of a hero to the new republic and ben is like i've come here to train as a jedi but what i really want is to be a jedi hero like luke working with my dad han solo yeah um, so he wants to be a jedi knight and he's rushing towards that goal yeah awesome beat five i should have numbered these <laughs> shit leia and lando chat amongst the cream of society at a gala of some kind we'll figure the details out later Senator Hux is there, but his stance on kyber lasers is unpopular. He's very much pro-building kyber lasers for the New Republic. And therefore, so is he. Leia can quietly confides in Lando that she is worried about Han, who was supposed to report back a mission success by now. And that's kind of the whole scene. Yeah, okay. Right. So she's waiting to hear back from Han, uh, who has not reported back in yet. It's a mystery as to what's been going on in the Outer Rim. And yeah, Hux, I'm imagining, just kind of stand, like sulking off in the corner, trying to be like, we should build lasers. And everyone's like, you, you fucking nerd. We don't want to do that. <laughs> that's beat five. Beat six. Phasma interrogates Han about FN-2187, asking about his whereabouts and how Han got in touch with him. She then issues a bounty to three of the most proficient hunters in the galaxy. We get a cutaway to each of them, the final one revealed to currently be in Jabba's palace. Phasma gloats to Han Solo, who pleads with her not to destroy Jabba's palace, which is now run by crime lord Bib Fortuna, not nice. Boba Fett. <laughs> Interesting. I don't, I don't actually care who's running it. Yeah. She ignores him and fires the weapon, destroying the palace and the entire surrounding area. Showing off the destructive potential yep. and clearly destroying the head, like the biggest crime lord in the galaxy. Whether or not that is actually Jabba's palace or Bib Fortuna, doesn't actually matter. Her goal is to take out yep. the biggest crime lord. Could be. Yep. Could be anyone. Bob Fortuna. Could be uh, Bob Fortuna. I might just interject here because there was some ch chats about this off screen. I think it's the only thing that we probably haven't, only concept that we probably haven't properly discussed on screen is the, like, the destructibility and the... The power, power of, of a kyber-powered weapon. So this kyber laser, this potential that it has, can take out cities and space stations and other ships, but not entire planets. Yeah, and not so much to the extent of like the test firing in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, so the test firing on Jeddah still basically destroyed a huge chunk of that planet. Nowhere near the destructive potential of that. They're building downscaled weapons because it it's so much resources to build a full Death Star weapon, you know? Yeah, and where are you going to find the kyber? Where are you going to find the kyber crystals, man? It's hard to find. Mm. So... Okay. 
I've lost track of which beat this is. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't no, know if you so need to go with the numbers. Uh, I'll just give the numbers. They just seven. did the firing on Jabba's Palace. They did the firing on Jabba's Palace, but that is our inciting incident. That is what kicks off the rest of the story. And we immediately cut to Luke, who senses the destruction across the galaxy and senses that Han is in trouble. He reluctantly tells Ben what just happened, but urges him to not rush into things. Luke is being, you know, honest and truthful here and hoping that Ben will do the right thing. Luke pleads for Ben's patience. As Law Santeca, who is a Jedi uh, acolyte who works with them, is supposed to arrive the next day with messages from Leia on a ship, but Ben refuses to wait and leaves in Luke's old X-Wing to go and save Han. That's, that's that beat. Getting more and more complicated as we go forward. No, 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 it's fun. It's fun. Um, I think like something worth pointing out is Ben gets like the feeling that something's going wrong, but Luke doesn't quite. I only mentioned Luke here because I'm not sure if Ben is like keyed into the Force enough. To really to get that sense, gotcha. Um, he's still a Jedi uh, Padawan, very much a Padawan, and very much not yet come into his own in terms of powers and that kind of thing yet. So, I am yeah, I'm not sure if he would sense it either. And I think the idea that Luke telling him all of this thing and being honest and hoping that he would do the right thing, even with all the information, and then Ben failing to do that is more interesting to me. But... Yeah, okay, that's that's excellent. This is the next beat. Ray journeys with the plot gang to Tatooine to scavenge the destroyed palace. So this is like the whole gang goes together. Um, they're scavengers. That's their whole thing. Yeah. The palace is decimated, and everyone who sees it is horrified by, by what they see. Ray spots a small ship towards the edge of the wreckage and investigates it, finding a dead bounty hunter inside who is holding a bounty puck. The puck is for a First Order trooper named FN2187 and is worth 1 million credits, more money than Ray can even imagine. I like it. That's cool. So that's, that's Ray's kind of like personal inciting incident. Yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, what sets her journey off individually, but still like inspired by the laser. I'm imagining some kind of action scene here. I didn't write one in to the beats, but <laughs> some yeah, kind right. of like chase or like scavengers, like fighting over the wreckage, fighting with each other kind of thing. And she has to hide maybe inside the, the wreckage. And she's like, oh, what's this? And she finds the bounty pill. Something like that. Right. Some fun little mini action scene here. Next beat. Ray heads back to the Plutt space station. She's unsure of what to do and asks her friends for advice, which include BB-8 and some of her friends who are gamblers. They suggest she head to Mars Kanata, the local bounty warden, similar to Grief Karga from The Mandalorian, someone who's, like, running the bounty stuff. Yeah, I like it. I like bringing Mars Kanata in. Yeah, so this is how I bring in Mars. She's not uh, a thousand years old or whatever, but she's similar in weird vibes. Oh, she's not a thousand years old? We don't want to make her a thousand years old. Like, no, I was I'd very specifically asked you wouldn't be and a, a force user who was a thousand years old. Yeah, nah. Ray speaks to Mars, who tells her that she could sell the puck to Ankar Plutt for a politics avoidance commission of some kind, or Ray can track down the trooper. Mars is insightful and says that she doesn't think that Ray finding the puck was an accident. So just quickly, when I say politics avoidance, Ankar Plutt is super set on being neutral. Like, he doesn't want to get involved with any of the First Order stuff or the New Republic or anything, or any of the crime factions in general. He's like, we are scavengers. We pick off the the uh, the offal <laughs> yeah. that comes off the rest of the, the crime stuff. But didn't she just take a bounty to it at the start? Yeah, but that was just some guy, you know. Right. When, yeah. when she presented the bounty, she was like, hey, I'm delivering this guy who's, like, making trouble for us or something like that. Some, like, really small-time criminal okay, stuff. Okay, so not a bounty set out by a crime faction. Yeah. Gotcha. Nothing that would, you know, stop the space station from being a neutral place. Gotcha. Copy. Um, so yeah, Mars is kind of like, you can take this small amount of money from Ankar Plutt, or you could set out and try and get the million credits. Mm. But I don't think, no matter what you choose, I don't think you finding the puck was an accident. At this moment, this is the next beat, Ben Solo arrives, having tracked down Mars Kanata, who is an old contact of Han Solo's. He asks for information about Han's whereabouts, and Mars fills in both Ben and Ray about Phasma and the First Order. Uh, the group who just destroyed Jabba's palace. So she kind of fills them in about some of the world building. Uh, ex exposition, you might say. Yeah. 
Ben asks Ray if she will go with him, and after hesitating, she agrees. They shake on it, and in that moment, the two share a strange connection. Mars gives them a hint, leading them to their next in- destination and the hunt for FN-2187. And this is kind of like our Moss Eisley. Yeah, this is kind of similar to the Moss Eisley scene, I guess. Yeah, I'm feeling Moss Eisley vibes. Yeah. Figuring out where to go, how to get there. Yeah. The destination. And you kind of get this... Uh, this strange coincidence of Ben also rocking up into the scene, mm. um, which I'm going to try and write to not seem like plot contrivance because um, Han Solo... He also, I, I, I had this... Like, the first image that came into my head was Ben Solo, like, strutting in, like, looking around yeah. Moss Eisley Cantina. <laughs> like, yeah. So I want it to seem like not that it's just random, but Ben is looking for Han, and Han has mentioned some of his contacts in the, in the crime world and in the underworld and stuff. Uh, so Ben would be trying to reach out to those people, and I feel like maybe... Setting it up so that Mars Kanata is a very likely first person on that list to hit up and talk to uh, will be some work that I have to try and do to make it believable. But that's where he that's why he goes to Mars Kanata first and, and tracks her down. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, so that brings them all together. Ray is looking for Finn for the bounty. Ben is looking for Finn because Finn knows where Han is. And so they have a common cause and they join together. And then we get the very first hint towards uh, the diet and the force as well. Yes. And Ray having force powers. Now, second last beat. Leia and Lando join an emergency Senate meeting in which Hux demands the construction of a New Republic Kyber laser for defense against this new threat uh, in regards to the Phasma firing the weapon on Tatooine. Leia calls for a rescue crew to save Han Solo and his team, as well as a new infiltration team to destroy this weapon. Hux and the Senate state that the capabilities of this new weapon are unknown and they could be dooming the entire fleet through a direct confrontation. Leia calls for a parliamentary debate to settle the dispute, and Hux agrees, buying Leia some time. That's kind of everything that happens there. They're having a big argument in the Senate, and then uh, Leia calls for a debate. So like an official kind of debate setting later on in the story, giving her some time to figure things out and get in touch with Luke and other characters. Uh, final beat. Law Senteca returns to Arc 2, bearing news from the Senate. Law stays to take care of the younglings, while Luke departs for Hosnian Prime, and the rest of the story. And that is our break into Act 2 as we... Journey towards the fun and game section, which is my favorite part of any story, and the uh, the save the cat beat sheet. And we so yeah, that that ends with Luke also heading off to look for Han. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. So he gets in Los Antecas transport, which they use to ferry cargo and supplies and that kind of thing to and from the Jedi Temple on Arc Two. He doesn't have an X wing. Well, no, X. Uh, Ben took the X wing. Oh right. Yeah. Gotcha. So Ben's taking the X wing, uh, which is a solo. That's only got one seat, right, Melo? Yep. Yep. Just checking. Yep. I thought so. Solo. Has he also taken R two? I was thinking Surely. no. I was thinking R2 maybe stays with Luke in this version. Gotcha. Just because like Ben's being such a little piece of shit at the start, I don't feel like maybe R2 would go with him. He's he's still Luke's droid, you know? Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, lovely. So that's the beat sheet. Dear audience, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> it's not maybe the prettiest thing. It's not maybe the most well put together thing, but I'm pretty happy with it as the first thing to f- officially release from me as a writer to you as the audience. Yeah. My, like, my first like initial thoughts and initial like statements on things that like felt maybe like the slightest bit rocky to yeah. me are like obviously Leia's like a legacy character we want to have her like relevant within the story and like have her doing something it's just like making it and keeping it interesting yeah that second to last beat with her in the conference I know it sets up a point later in the plot yeah but like we're doing that thing where it it feels like a time where in A New Hope you'd be cutting to Vader in the Death Star or Tarkin in the Death Star. Yeah. Whereas we're cutting to her in the Senate and it, how interesting is that going to be? 
That's a good point. And yeah, making the Senate stuff interesting is something we're gonna I'm gonna struggle with just because I think they struggled with it in the prequels as well. Oh, Same absolutely. Reason. Yeah. That's why it's avoided in the original trilogy. That shit can get boring and stale real quick, mm. you know? Uh so <laughs> it'll be tricky. Yeah. No, I think it's important for like showing that cause because like obviously you're going going for that Cold War kind of feeling of yeah. these weapons exist, but these weapons exist, and the debate we're of, afraid to make them. The, Should we be making the them? debate of making them, and like who is making them, and how many exist out there, and the question and the the mystery and the terror behind it all, I think is something that's really mm. powerful and very easy to relate to, I guess, as an audience. Mm. Absolutely. And um, if we could just like maybe dash back to something I brought up in your first beat, that was may- maybe my only other thing was the question of Finn. Yeah, Finn doesn't seem to show up any other time here. No, he does not. In your first. Beat sheet. No, I'm. Not... I think is good because you'd be dropping between, jumping between four different plot lines, really, yeah. and then converging into three. But you'd be jumping between four, like Finn, uh, Ray, Luke. The next and... time I want Finn to rock up is when Ray and Ben catch up to him. Is yeah. kind of where he's gonna. No, see him I next. feel like that makes sense, definitely. Um, but the idea of him already sort of being a deserter. Yeah. Like it still feels like kind of loosey goosey on me. Just the idea that like. You know, we've talked about him being so hard, like, indoctrinated into the cause, but then he's not able to follow through with, like, Phasma's idea of destruction. the entire Hosnian system. I didn't get to really dive into that, but um, Mars Kanata reveals that, or part of that, to Ray and Ben. is like, oh, she's, like, out to destroy, like, scorched earth kind of policy kind of thing. Yeah. Destroy Hosnian Prime. And it's understandable, like, I'm I'm sure, like, people put in that situation would probably desert because of that. Yeah. But then for him to still, like, really hold on for those really hold on to those true imperial ideals yeah becomes a bit harder to to believe that's fair that's fair um that would be my only criticism yeah all right now that you got any notes before we jump into yours i don't think anything like out of what i've already said about it in terms of like questions around how powerful the weapon is yeah uh, so in this one you've got the, one of the three bounty hunters that she sent the thing out to yeah was that jabba's palace yeah and then was just killed by that same laser so <laughs> she doesn't know that that bounty hunter's on jabba's palace right. but it is fucking weird it is funny <laughs> i i feel like you can get away with like just being like oh i've i've sent my bounty out we don't need to cut to individually all three bounty hunters it makes you make a good point it's just uh something that mellow brought up uh previously is the idea that like how it's it would be so jarring to know that like the bounties get sent out and then one of them is just happens to be a Jabba's palace in the destruction. Mm. So finding a way to believably show that I think is, but you, is important. You just find out once she like runs hides and then she finds the puck. Like yeah. she, it'd be like, oh, I guess it got sent out to Jabba's palace as well because the puck's right here. Yeah. Like, do you need to show like the maybe the guy's not. story? Maybe not. I don't know before he dies. That was that was a. I chucked that scene in as a reaction to you guys just, like talking about it. So I don't yeah. even know what the right way to go is there. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's something well. definitely to work on later. Such um, a minor nitpick, though. No, I really no, liked it. I that was like really fun. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Shall we? Yeah. Okay. You've got yeah. half an hour ish. I got half How an hour. How are your beats do. comparatively to Bryce? Because Bryce had like Act One broken up into like 11 pieces where where are you like broken up into just so i know where i can interrupt similar I'll, I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you you I'll, I'll just i'll just like look you look blankly for questions and feedback yeah nice. um okay mellows go this mic's gonna fall over i'm just gonna adjust not yours as well yeah man oh. i didn't touch this one though um for those wondering <laughs> where bubby fruit comes in he doesn't um unfortunately <laughs> not, in, not in the film. first film no Unfortunately, not. He's the main character of the second one, though. Yeah. Sure. 
We're gonna change our main character. <laughs> great dice. On great dice. Great dice. True. Film, yeah. Fuck yeah. Why not? Okay. Okay. So as established in our opening crawl, uh, Luke Skywalker has established a new Jedi Order. The outer rim is filled with Imperial remnants, crime syndicates, and New Republic is outlawed. Death Star Tech and Leia Organa is constantly seeking to deter its resurgence through the galaxy. The Jedi have been called to an independent planet to defend against an Imperial remnant. So we begin with the Jedi, Luke and Ben, on their star cruiser in hyperspace. I still like the idea that they have Arc 2, but the Jedi are based, in my version, on a star cruiser in order to service that the purpose of them being peacekeeping nomads. They were able to, you know, actually be active Jedi and go help throughout the galaxy. Whilst there's respect, there is lingering tension between Luke and Ben, uh, and Luke insists their mission is to defend and defuse, not to attack. The weight of uh, Ben's parents' legacy, his uncle's legacy, weighs very heavily on him, as does the legacy of Vader's. So yeah, there's our first act. Oh, yep. first, first beat. So yeah. they're just like heading out to the. Uh... They're in. They're in hyperspace. They're about to get to yeah. this planet where they're going to go. You know, help people out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This distress call came in from an independent planet. They're being attacked by the First Order, an Imperial remnant who are trying to steal valuable resources from this planet. They come out of hyperspace and are joined by a New Republic strike, por- strike force led by Han and Chewie. Uh, the Jedi and New Republic eventually ward off the First Order, uh, but not before Ben has an interaction with Captain Phasma. And not without them stealing what they came for, kyber crystals mined on this planet. Luke, Ben, Han, and Chewie, they report their mission to Leia via hologram. Leia urges Ben and Luke to pursue this further, but Luke says he cannot risk the Jedi getting into direct conflict with the First Order, especially not in their territory. Ben is frustrated that they won't do anything. He wants to fight, actively fight. There you go. Break in the in the beat. Yeah, right. so they are going to this planet where the First Order is attacking, stealing kyber crystals. Yeah. And they get into like seemingly quite a huge fight. Yeah. So not, not nothing, nothing crazy out of proportions. But they're just they're there on the planet. They've you know kind of just here's here's your population around this this city based around this kyber mine. Yeah. Enslaved essentially because so we're like kind of stealing. If like Captain Phasma is confronting yeah, so you tell me person with a lightsaber. Phasma, Han, Chewie, Luke, and Ben. Yeah. All rock up to this. Yeah. Bro, that's a huge <laughs> that's a huge it's fight. A big fight. It's our opener. Yeah, I know. That's a, yeah. that's a really cool opening fight though. Yeah. Um Yeah, nice. I'll just yeah, wrap my head around that. And then so how does Phasma that... wins and gets away with the kyber crystals. Pretty much. Cool. Yeah. How does Phasma win? Is there like trickery involved? Is there like a just a huge bomb strike involved? Like how does she escape, especially from Luke Skywalker? From Luke Skywalker. I I imagine it's the fact that like they're pretty much done by the time he gets there, and now it's just a simple matter matter gotcha. of fact of, oh, well, we can't stay on this planet, occupying it, yeah. taking more time to go. So they're kind of like almost already on like the we're loading the final stuff up on our way out kind of. Yeah. Thing. Um. Does Han and Chewie get there at the same time that Luke and Ben do? Yeah, or around okay. a similar time that you know the yeah. one jumps out of hyperspace, one jumps out. Of or are they dog fighting in bit the of sky? Could be. Yeah, right. Could be. I don't gotcha. know. Yeah. Those details to me aren't so important. It's more the fact that these people are here and this event has transpired and the, the villain has got away. Yep, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. And what, what specifically from this event tells Ben that he needs to be doing more? Ben? Yeah. I, I'm, the villain gets away. Yeah, right. You know? Like, He's that's, like that's not That's not good enough. Yeah. You know? he would if, if, if he had the choice, he'd be like, chase, immediately chase down, not... Let's stay here and help the people on this planet. Are they okay? Check gotcha. on them. So that's the, that's like yeah, well, that's the, the Jedi. Approach. That's Luke's thing. Yeah, gotcha. we'll make sure that everything's okay here now. Yeah, right. watered off the villain. They're going to do what they do on Hosnian Prime, the New Republic Senate. Uh, we, 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 we're in the New Republic Senate. We've got we're with Leia. She is the uh, specifically in her ministerial position, the head of anti Death Star, you know, yeah. stuff. As I said, she reports the mission to the Senate. 
uh, and demands more more support to pursue the first order. Shut down their Death Star operations. She, they are her public enemy number one. Who her? Lando's also a senator. We'll establish that. Doesn't really need much. Yeah. Uh, He's there. Yeah, Leia is opposed by the young and charismatic Senator Hux. The Senate are not threatened by the First Order, believing they would only have minor weapons, and how could they possibly have enough resources? Leia, nor her strike force, can further pursue the First Order into their own territory. They're simply going to have to wait for another isolated incident to occur. Right. Unfortunately. So there. End of that. Bit. Yeah, nice. And, and so Phasma's kind of like pushing into the mid-rim? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. And but is Hux really saying anything in this conversation, or are we are just establishing that he's there? He's. He, we established that he is there to... <laughs> Seemingly butt heads against her. If she's here presenting this information, he'd be the one to say, "No, no, there's not, there's not, no, no there's no threat. Calm down, warmonger." Interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, make it a mockery of the situation. Back in her quarters, Leia, venting to Han and Lando, demands something be done. They must put out a call for information. That's a very small bit. Yeah, we'll jump to the next bit. We see a day in the life of the jack of all trades criminal Ray. She lives in a space station city, alone, no friends, no community. It's a harsh life. Uh, we follow Ray as she competes with other bounty hunters to apprehend a man. Uh, she puts up a decent fight despite her smaller stature. She's agile. She's quick. A few allusions to some level of force sensitivity there. Yep. Nothing crazy. Just like... The same way Anakin is like really good at pod racing. Yeah, pretty much. The man who she she finally does get him claims he's innocent. She doesn't care. She just wants to get paid. Little character note there. Ray hands the man into Ankar Plutt. He is the bounty hunter guild master of the city. Kind of your grief cargo yep. from Mandalorian in this instance. Uh, he offers her a new job. It's incredibly risky. No one is taking it, but the reward is unimaginable. The job would be to investigate and provide credible evidence of the First Order's weapons operations and deliver the information to an unknown source on Takodana. That night, Ray considers the bounty. He could offer her a new life, freedom from this scum and villainy. She decides to go for it and sets off in her fighter. That's cool. Nice. The unknown fucking uh, like bounty like offering kind of thing. I wonder I who it is. I wonder who it is. But no, I that's, who it is. it's a really cool like plot premise and to say like, oh Ray, like this like golden ticket opportunity is like mm. kind of come to you, um, but you don't know exactly who is responsible, who's behind it. Yeah, I dig that. So that is it's perhaps less inciting, but it's starting to see our, our plot lines converge. That is my inside incident, the yeah. one that projects our who will eventually be our hero character forward into this grand unknown is the fact that Ray takes on this this job. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I guess my question, mainly because I'm sure like a lot of people's ears, a lot of listeners' ears probably spiked up hearing Ray, the jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> jack of all trades, Mary of Sears. <laughs> Mary of Sears. <laughs> jack of all trades in the, more in the terms of like, yeah, she would be bounty hunter. She might do a smuggling job. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, I'll make that very clear. She's not great at everything. <laughs> Jesus Christ, calm down. <laughs> not you guys, you guys out there in the audience. Yeah. Um, no, it's like, you know, she just, she she does what she has to do she to get by. She picks up odd jobs and yeah. seemingly is, like, quite good at them if Ankar Plutt is, like, offering this kind of job. Good it's enough. Like, I will job. say, she's not she's not the best. I don't know, maybe some more establishment in that. Like, in terms of, say, we have that bit where she's competing with the other band hunters. Yeah, gotcha. uh, A bit more struggle there to be like, she's yeah. not all-powerful. Yeah. She just she won that one. I think that's an easy way to introduce the conflict as well. It's like yeah. if she's in a lineup of like, okay, here's like ten of you who yeah. get yeah, this yeah. job or have this opportunity, and you got to like fight each other for it, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then and you can have some fights from that. And that the there is nothing. There's definitely nothing special that Ankar Plot would see in her. Okay, it's, it's like as he says, it's like no one's taking this job, but yeah. this job exists. And obviously, his job, and we know from from how the bounty hunter guild masters work, is they get a commission. You know, they all get a split. There's always yeah. something in it for them. So, back on the ship, Luke is training the Jedi. We get to see him training younglings, and we get to see him training Ben. Ben is distracted by the thoughts of the First Order having had this run-in with this 
Phasma person, visions of the potential future, and again, this weight on his shoulders. He and Luke have a disagreement, a bit of a blow up, blow up, and he just goes back to his quarters, he calls it a night. He has a dark vision of the future that night. He sees such things as Han Solo's death, Ben and Luke fighting, and a great laser destroying a city. He decides, enough is enough. He wants to do something about this threat that he knows is out there, so he sneaks out, escaping in a fighter. Ben's dream, across the galaxy, was shared by Rey. She wakes up in a sweat and tries to suppress what she was experiencing. Her ship arrives above an outer rim planet. End of those beats there. Um, I'm still loving that uh, shared dream thing. I, yeah. I, did, I kind of omitted that from every, my beat sheet, but the, the shared dream rules. Every chance I get, I'm working that in there. Because I, that's like, to me, the easiest way to establish the dyad. Yeah, they connected subconsciously through dreams even before they even meet each other. Mm. I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, I'm so for the shared dream. Um, But I where I maybe fall off a tiny bit is using the dream specifically itself as like a narrative purpose to get Ben off the planet. Yeah. Or ben to, oh, get Ben off the ship, like, for him to leave. Gotcha. Perhaps like, I've not established that well enough. I think he was, like, in th- from that first scene earlier on, he's kind of wanting to do something about this. Yeah. Anyway, the whole time. And and this scene with he and, and Luke, I think, would just be a bit of a, like, a, oh, fuck you, man. I just want to, you know, <laughs> just, oh. Really harsh in my vibe, Luke. bad guy out there, you know. And we're not doing anything about yeah, it. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Ray, uh, she arrives above this outer rim planet in the capital city of this, it's a decent-sized population. Ray investigates the First Order. This planet is the head of their operations, you know? So anyone who's, like, sort of leading this bit of dodgy life, whatever, they can, they can come and go. It's on the outer rim, you know? It's, it's nothing, nothing too sus for you to be there. Say some sort of, like, New Republic thing would rock up. It's like, well, okay, pr- pr- people are probably going to attack you. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, Ray starts asking too many questions. In a, I've set a bar, you know, again, I think a similar parallel to what you've had of being like, okay, it's not a cantina. I'm not trying to do the cantina scene, but you know, some <laughs> some sort of like, where do you go as a bounty hunter to meet local mm. dodgy mm. people and ask? Yeah, questions. I think it's fine if we do a cantina. It's They're fun. cool. Yeah. No, we'll just no, we'll just put our own sort of spin on it. We'll make it more yeah. like an Aussie pub. It's Dex's bar, Dex. actually. Well, hold on. So Dex's... yeah, so we've had a diner. We've had a cantina. Dex's diner. We haven't had like a Space McDonald's. Space McDonald's fast franchise. food franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars franchise. Yeah. done. Globos. Plus, <laughs> something I loved in Jedi Survivor was the saloon that they had yeah. as like a main location. You kept coming back to that mm. shit rules. Let's that do a saloon. Fun. A saloon. Star Wars saloon. We could do an RSL or a Star Wars RSL. <laughs> Star Wars Bowls Club. <laughs> Star Wars Bowls. They have RSLs overseas. Is oh, that I, Australian I, thing? That's, very Australian. that's, that's so a strictly us thing. Go Google that one. It's the Return Services League. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, you'll figure it out. I... I just like the idea of a franchise. It's so funny. Yeah. Like somebody <laughs> franchises like fast food around the galaxy. Here we go. Here's, here's a different one for you. A beer house. Oh. Mm, Star Wars beer house. Like a beer hall. Like yeah. German beer hall. A whiskey bar. <laughs> whiskey bar. All right. Speakeasy. <laughs> We're running out of time now. Let's get back nah, to it. Nah, we're fine. <laughs> I'm almost there. We'll be fine. Anyway, Ray asks too many questions and starts to cause, stir up a bit of trouble. Uh, mm. And this is my one bit of force fate plot convenience. Oh, yeah. Ben's also there. Ah. Yeah, but he's, he was doing, doing things a bit more discreetly, I think. Uh, so he gets into a bit of trouble. She, he, uh, she, does, she does, sorry. He helps him out. She, she thanks him, but immediately tries to get rid of him. She doesn't need this guy. Uh, but having her overheard a conversation about the First Order, he insists on helping. They find the base on this planet and sneak their way inside. And you'll think, oh, that must seem pretty easy, but you'll find out why later. Okay. The base is seemingly being emptied of all of its troopers, all of its contents onto a unique battleship. Hacking into some, some computers whilst on the base, they discover a little more about the operation, how they've been stealing Kyber, funneling some resources in from some other Imperial remnants. It's not enough 
that Ray needs, but you know, she saves the information all the same. So the battleship departs. Having retrieved all she can, Ray's like, right, time to leave. Ben once more insists that he, he she's he's going to go with her. And she's like, nah. She attempts to handcuff him to a railing. But having not yet revealed himself a Jedi, Ben uses the force to grab his lightsaber hidden within his jacket. Cuts himself free. Ray is stunned by the revelation that he is a Jedi and perhaps a little afraid. Uh, he insists he is going with her to investigate the First Order. He's on a mission. So is she. But they're like, you know, he insists we are now stuck together. So they get back to Ray's ship. It's bigger. It's more well-equipped. Fucking who knows what happened to Ben's. And they pursue the battleship into space. Their ship's computer detects a massive energy charge building from the battleship. And suddenly it fires upon the city below, destroying it entirely in a central air shot. Across the galaxy, Ben, Luke, Leia, all feel an immense weight as the people of the city are killed instantaneously. And so does Ray. End of Act 1. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, you break into Act One is uh, the firing of the laser yeah. on on an their unnamed city on their own city, right? On First Order's own. Oh, so it's, so there. So the the First Order had like kind of occupied that territory yeah. somewhere on the outer rim, yeah. And then you know discreetly during this kind of action scene, we're seeing hints of them like evacuating, like yeah. a mass evacuation. They've been doing a load they... up, yeah. From their right, nation. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, kind of cover the tracks in a way, blowing up the city behind them. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Right. Very cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Any comments, Whipmaster? I'm trying to think of questions. A lot happened there. Mm. Um, like a, a main one is like, how did they get to the base so quickly? Like, how did they find out about the base? That's kind of that feels like itself like a piece of information that doesn't just like stumble upon. Like, it seems like a beat. I did a better job of hiding it, but I skipped that beat too. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that beat as well. I, 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 I feel you did a very good job at hiding it. I so I thought wait, that go in back. A... Wait, I, just, I need to. I... <laughs> no, so they leave Maz Kanata's cantina, and she gives them a hint as to where Finn is. Oh yeah, and then they just there. So <laughs> that was the my. When beat. you said a hint, <laughs> so it's very similar to Mello. When you said a hint, that yeah. was like enough for me. That was somebody supplying information. Yeah. Um. Whereas with yours, Mello, I think the biggest thing there is that Ray goes to this bar looking for info. She's loud about it, yeah. but then Ben's just there. Yeah. And then they find the info, and then they're at the base. Yeah. And that's like yeah, bang, 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 bang. Obviously, we're still in beat sheet phase, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're still like prototyping everything. I'll yeah. offer up a solution in the, the in, in the moment solution for Go you, for though, it. which is like perhaps getting a bit of you a motherfucker, uh, <laughs> a bit of a look into their both of their darker sides that they would have. Uh, okay, so there's commotion in the bar, whole bar breaks down to a brawl. They go out into the street. Maybe the one person who is like low life scumbag loser who Ray was was talking to find and find him, corner him, be like, ah, listen, yeah. fuckhead, you had the information we wanted. Uh, where is it? Yeah, go yeah. for, and then uh, he'll be like. Take a left, you know. Like, go go for like bully Maguire <laughs> on them in the alley. A little bit, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. It's an idea. No, oh, that's fun. Yeah, and then you know you get the info. And then that. it's like, okay, well, here's the base. And as for like breaking onto the base, it's like, you know, everyone's leaving. Yeah, <laughs> security is <laughs> security is not of great importance. This thing's gonna get blown up in ten minutes. No, no one cares. Yeah, yeah. My only thing with yours, Mello, is yeah. it feels like we're getting a lot of Act Two. Like that already feels like we're well into like what what is called fun and games yeah, in yeah. the uh, in the Save the Cat story, where it's like set up cool done with setup let's go into like the actual action like the thing right. you want to be doing um, the way I, I can see that when i was writing it i was like kind of writing it in, in act one being two acts within itself right it's a bit like you know pre-act one act one yeah, stuff right. where before we had ray going off and having her inciting incidents like okay we need this context this backstory here's all of our old heroes and what they're doing right now yeah i just and feel like our driving narrative there's just a now. lot more space to just like take a breath and do heaps more setup i'm sure there like is. i honestly even with mine i'm like i need to add more setup in here just bridging 20 years of history i think it's important to like take a bunch of time and 
let the the world kind of speak for itself and just like sit in it for a bit um, yeah. rather than rushing straight into the action. But I agree in staying in it, and I do think maybe there could be some more setup in yours, Mello. I I'm hesitant to say too much on like your side. Yeah, right. I probably heard on the other side of like maybe um, cut back a bit. No, maybe like like I like if you were to do setup, like I feel like it'd be fine, but like I feel like it'd be like one or two more beats, like no no more, or like yeah, or maybe like replace a beat with another beat, something like that. Gotcha. Um, something I really like that the both of you two have done is that you've set up that ray has her own purpose for wanting to go on this journey go on this quest she's after it for the she's in it for the money she's in yep. it for herself yeah and ben's coming in it from this purpose of like i want to like prove myself as a jedi i want to live up to this legacy yeah i be want a hero to be a hero yeah in like my sense of a hero and like that's a really interesting way to progress and see how they evolve from that and bringing them in together and I'd, having them become together in the first act i think is really important mm, mm, i'd love that not to change at all yeah, yeah i think we can stick to that yeah. um and some but something i did notice is we have no finn at all yeah well, i was about to point this out okay. no finn the immediate first next character we will be introduced to is, is finn is finn yeah. um is he the contact on takodana Nah, so no, he's he's still a first order, still first order soldier. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I still want that. Yeah, his his evolution and change. So they um, run into him on the base. Uh, well, no. So the so where I've got it is like you know they're off the planet. That bit that that city's just been destroyed. Uh, in terms of like cover cover your tracks thing, and here's this you know big destroyer. And what's that on our radar under the ship? Ah, yeah. So interesting. Whether they have well, to send people after them, we'll or... leave that for next week. Yeah, we, will. we do. Oh, maybe not next week or the week after. I don't know how we're going to yeah. structure it out. But we're definitely going to cover Act Two in the future, and then Act Three and the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, no, for sure. We'll I stay love focused to on the stuff that we just covered now. Some more like forced Iad stuff. Like, yeah, I loved how you incorporated it. I feel like I love to see like how you uh, you smish that in. Yeah, I gotta. I'm gonna maybe try and put some more in. I think yeah. it'd be cool. It'd I be think. Pretty cool. I think there, there's definitely room for more. I, I would love to put more Iad stuff in. Um, yeah, or just yeah, stuff that like feels like it's foreshadowing it. Yeah. Um, or even foreshadowing um, Ray's um, aptitude and inherently being a forced child, something yeah. like that. Just a quick note, um, if you are listening to this, maybe for the first time or something, and you're like, oh, these are some interesting ideas, but what's like the overall shape of this? Clearly, we are very interested in telling the story of the Kyber lasers mm. and how that is the key conflict and the key threat posed against the New Republic and all our heroes, which are, you know, the New Republic is a form of like the heroic force at the start of the story, whether that stays the same or it changes is definitely uh, something we're interested we're going to explore but the jedi are our heroes as well yeah so yeah luke ben han leia lando chewie etc uh, and ray obviously but ray's ray's coming into it from a different angle that's kind of the shape of the story we've been trying to find for a long time now and i definitely think it's coming along in a way that i really really like mm -hmm. um i love a lot of what you presented there miller that was that was really great let's break down mine and then break down yours okay. and just talk about it in in, in the general sense so <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out like how, what the rest of the show looks like for, yeah. for today. I'm going to like, how, how do we break it down? I'm thinking how do we come into, wh where do you guys see us coming into next episode? You guys see yourselves individually like crafting, enhancing your individual scripts and then presenting them again. Or are we talking about like sort of collaborating on the next one? That's a really good question. And I know that's a good point because Mello, you've come at it from like a radically different point of view specifically with the ship like the jedi ship and the jedi cruiser going around the galaxy yes and like the locations are very different the characters like the way they're moving and, and going about the story and stuff are very different i think crucially the choice that i made to have han kidnapped at the start yeah and have ben's drive as a character be i'm going to be a hero by saving han is very different to what you've got there is i'm going to be a hero by killing phasma or yeah, taking out because that's it's a, that's his whole thing of like 
he completely misunderstands what it means to be a hero. Yeah, to me. absolutely. Like, you know, and to go in, he just sees it as face value of, okay, what did Luke do? Yeah. He went in and he blew up the Death Star. Cool. I can go in and kill the bad guy and then I'll be the hero. Everyone will love me for it. Yeah. Um, I've sidelined Han with the good old government bureaucracy. <laughs> uh, Han yeah. works for the New Republic. He's part of the Strike Force that Leia leads. Therefore, he cannot go intervene because my, they said no. My question is, yeah. of our understanding of Han Solo, yeah. the roguish smuggler, yeah. would he care if he got sidelined? Well, hence this strange evolution of the character of Han Solo. Yeah. Where we last picked up with him, you know, rebel hero would then help father the, the New Republic. Fuck. It's too caught up in this silly old bureaucracy. So yeah. the reason I've sidelined... Uh, we've both sidelined Han. Yes. I think we need to. Need to, yeah. yeah. I want to kill Han Solo at the end of I the also want to kill Han Solo I, at the end so of the So there's, there's two things I want to do. I want to bring all of our OG characters back and yeah. have them meet in one place and have mm-hmm. them have a reunion scene where it is beautiful. There's uh, your fan service. It's not fan service. It's poignant. And I think it's important that we bring them back and have them have like some kind of reunion or moment before killing one of them. I think that's... Uh, I, I would... See it as a disservice to those characters if they never got to meet each other before they all died on screen 20 years after our original trilogy story. The band has what, to get back together. Which yeah. is what we got in the sequel trilogy, and I think that is heinous. Uh, I think that is a, a really, really, really bad choice. Oh, well, it makes it just feel so sad. It's so sad. Like, it's so... It's, and, and not it's so, so sad for the right reasons. It's just sad that you don't get to see these characters it share a moment. It should be devastatingly, heart-crushingly sad. But it's not. It's almost like a throwaway thing. When you see Leia and Rey at the end of Force Awakens, like, oh, I guess Han's dead. It's and cheap. It's, it's cheap. It's, it's cheap. cheap. So I want to kill Han, but I want to make it not feel cheap. I really want to earn it. Yep. Um, and I want Han to die sacrificing so it's himself sacri- to save yeah. Ben. Something I really like about Han getting kidnapped is... And that being the motivation for Ben going out and like pursuing and making that mistakes goal. and being reckless, um, is he still operating under the same like under the same mindset of like I want to be a hero, I want to live up to the legacy, I want to prove myself. But where I think that would be interesting to arc, especially if we're doing a like a fall for Ben in this first movie, is him going too far getting a bit too greedy, saving Han, mm. but then still wanting to pursue Phasma, pursue evil, and get killer in the right. end. Right. I'm going to tell you what my vision is for this with, with Ben's forelock. I'm modeling it after the Godfather. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so, and, and uh, a really great analysis by, of forelocks by Studio Binder, which is a fantastic fucking mm. YouTube channel. So, the, what they've outlined a forelock as is they, the hero has something that they want and something that they need, and in a, in a forelock, you yeah. get neither of those. Mm. So, with Ben, his want is to save Han and be a hero. His need is to listen to Luke and become patient and compassionate. And at the end of this movie, I want him to fail at both. I want Han to die sacrificing himself for Ben, and I want him have that all to have come about because of Ben's impatience uh, and his, his lack of ability to listen to the wisdom of Luke Skywalker. And then at the end, he runs away from everything. So he turns his back on like Luke and, and everyone, and he runs away because he's distraught at losing his dad, uh, and he wants to kill Phasma and hunt her down. And I want Phasma to get away at the end of this movie as well. Yeah. I, I'm kind of spoiling a lot oh, of the yeah, actory no, stuff. I, but, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying he should kill Phasma. Yeah. I'm just saying like I think he'd be distracted, and then that's what causes Ben. Yeah. Um, Han's death. So here's my lightsaber fight as well. I want him to try and kill Phasma, and yeah. I want Luke to try and stop it. I, I kind of I kind of love that idea. Yeah. Honestly, Luke, Luke, stop, Luke trying head. to stop Ben from from killing someone is, is yeah. something I've also had. Yeah, so that's um, kind of what a lot of Act Three looks like for me, and where I'm um, heading towards all this. I'm not sure if like that, like just that proposal in itself, like interests you at all, Mellow, or like because you you have it straight from the go of I'm going to hunt Phasma. Yeah, yeah. as as Ben's like as lead, his leading. Yeah, we can lead. We can have that 
happen over a greater period of time. But yeah, right. yeah that is to, still to me his, his key motivation. Um, the difference I'll there for me, some, some, some other way. So. Wanting to kill Phasma is an external motivator. Wanting to save his dad is an internal motivator. It's like yeah. a character that's like attached to him as opposed to an external character that he is antagonistic towards. Whether that's better or worse is not what I'm debating. That's just why I've chosen Han. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can have all sorts of characters motivated by all sorts of things in really compelling ways. It doesn't have to be internal or external. But that's the difference, I think, that I've found between hunting Phasma and saving Han. Makes it very easy to side with someone who's so brash as well. Yeah. Is by having them have more than one reason to just go after something or that both, they want. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, and then there's a point in Act 2 where like I want... It just seems right. Like, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you should go do that. Yeah. I want Ben to find out what Phasma's plan is, which is to wipe out the Hosnian system it's... and from the ashes build the Empire again. And then he's going to go, oh, I've got to save Han and kill her too. Brilliant. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it is going to be both. But I think starting out with Han is where I'm at. But I've been talking a lot, Melo. You got any thoughts? I don't know what where to go from here in terms of, like, do we... Reflecting. Just keep re- refining our own treatments or do we have to start to combine i guess that's the point? question is like what are we doing you and me are we going to keep going on these diverging paths and see what we make of that because that'll the just show? be complicated the thing is you and me mellow we hate each other do we <laughs> no no but it's we have... very hard to sit in a in a chair and watch these two talk to each other the second this show finishes we just fucking oh i i have to run out because they Zeta live together watch. and i have to just like pack up my shit and leave it's the ultimate creative fuel is hatred but no, so I, what I'm <laughs> ignore the joke is uh, we're very different people when it comes to like what we have in mind for writing and character arcs and all that kind of yeah, stuff. So I yeah. feel like it's there's no chance of us combining the stories that we have in our head. It's just right. going to be like let's follow it to completion and really see the the overall vision of each other's work, uh, and then take it back and reflect. And then we're going to have to at some point either combine yeah. or choose yeah. <laughs> one or the other. I feel like it'll be a not not exactly a cherry pick, but also like a figure out one as like the base and then cherry pick from the other one the ideas that we like to bring in. Potentially. Less Something of like a that. less of a combine, more of like a like a seventy thirty kind of split. Yeah. Some kind of ongoing process. Like if you were to get a fifty fifty split of your your guys' things and put them together, it'd it would be like watching work. the sequels it'd again. Be, it'd be fucking chaos. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, let's start to let's consider compromises. Well, the thing is, I just don't know, like, if there is things that like, can be compromised on. So, for example, the Jedi ship, as yeah. opposed to just having Arc 2. Yeah. So why why does the Jedi ship work so well for you, I guess? It's the, it's the Nomad thing. That's, yeah. that's what I've, I've, you know, been pitching for a while now, is that the, the Jedi are, you know... The Jedi should be nomadic. They should yeah, be tied to it's, one planet. I think some of the, the issues I think I've brought up before is with Luke. You know? Yeah. And just the idea the, that he's not, like, peacekeeping. That he's not doing anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, that he's just... I've definitely you know? got... Uh, there, there's yeah. nothing to talk about. I've got Luke to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's focused on being a teacher and a master yeah. as opposed to actively actively seeking justice in the galaxy. I like the mindset of he's already focused on being a teacher, already focused on bringing up that next generation of Jedi and making sure that they're taught properly. Yeah. Which, like, even instills maybe, a, like, furthermore, like, why he's so harsh on Ben. Yeah. And like, so like, you have to do it this way. Yeah. I, you know, what's really interesting for me is the idea that, you know, you've got this idea in your head of, of Luke still being a wise grandmaster Jedi, yeah. but actively doing something about any justice that he's doing about. Whereas I've got the, he's not a hermit. He's not running away from anything. Yeah. He's just choosing not to uh, use violence as his tool for change. I wonder, I'm very curious as to what the audience thinks, because I feel like those are two very great visions of what Luke Skywalker could be. Yeah, I feel agree. like those are much better than the vision we got of the hermit Luke who's hiding from the world. It's the, the, worst, the worst version. Which that is the worst yeah, version yeah, of yeah. Luke. Yeah. Um, I think those are two versions that are both infinitely better than that version that we got. I think both 
like feel true to like uh like a wise Jedi master as well as like what we know Luke Skywalker to be um and his personality and his um caringness and um, the compassion compassion the compassion yeah. of Jedi. Mm. So yeah, audience, if you want to like message us or like comment or anything, let us know which uh Luke Skywalker you're more interested in seeing. I think uh it would be really interesting just for us to know what's like what are the opinions out there on people like what Luke Skywalker do you want to see? And if I had to guess, I'd say they'd err on the side of your your version of Luke or like the the active lightsaber wielding Luke and, Skywalker. Yeah, and when I say lightsaber wielding, I mean like I've already settled also on the fact that it's like Luke is no longer a killer. Yeah. Mm. You know, stuff has happened in his his past that he would be like go beyond that he's evolved. And again, something that Ben would be like, oh but like There were thousands when of the Death Star. When they're bad. Yeah, no, exactly. He's no longer a killer. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Ben would want to be like, can I just, just just kill the one? Yeah. This one really bad one? Can just I kill one them? shitty guy that no one likes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With no friends. Are you quoting Rick and Morty though? I'm yeah, not. No, I'm Guardians 3. Guardians 3. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, where else? So it's like Finn. Okay. Um, I mean, Finn is obviously the next character going forward that we're both going to introduce. I'm not sold on this whole thing that I've pitched, which is he's an Imperial who believes in the Empire, but mm. not in Phasma specifically. Yeah, right. It's a bit of a hard call. It's I a bit feel, of a stretch. Yeah, I feel like if he's if he's like programmed, if he's indoctrined into into this like cult esque war malicious I like I don't know what to call it. Ideology. Ideology. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for that. Saving You're me there. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be like he has to be all in, you know. Yeah. And like that's something we we've we've brought up on like him in Force Awakens. Like it's it's weird for him to be iffy. Here's um, my pitch for for why I'm doing that for Finn. When he sees, so Phasma has sent this big message out to the galaxy. I've killed the crime lord. I'm going for other people next. Yeah. Join me or die. That's kind of her, her MO. When Finn gets to the ship in the next part of the story in, in Act 2, towards the end of Act 2, he's going to see a huge increase in First Order troopers that have joined from the other parts of the Imperial factions in the rest of the Outer Rim. And he's going to be, oh, people are cool with this. I thought people would not be cool with her destroying huge chunks of the galaxy. I thought the Empire meant more than that to people. I thought the Empire was about justice and stuff. What are you giggling about? He's like a hipster. He's like, I was into the First Order before it was cool. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, so that's kind of why, that's going to be the start of him being disillusioned. And I want there to be a moment where Luke is like, no, dude, like it was yeah. built on the Death Star. Palpatine is a conqueror and Thrawn was a conqueror. They're both conquerors and their legacy is destruction. This has always been the case. And that's a lesson from Luke specifically? Or is... I was thinking it would be, just yeah, because right. of <laughs> plot, but <laughs> because yeah. he's going to be the one who's there. But anyway, that was my journey for Finn that I was interested in, but definitely keen to hear some other ideas. Maybe, Melo, what did you have in mind for so that later on? So from here, my characters will be like, okay, so as I've said, like it's just it's just them. And they're like, oh, look, a ship. Get that ship. They're outside of the tractor beam range, but they can still send out fighters. There'd be a bit of a dogfight in which we get to see fantastic piloting skills of Ben. These two characters who are kind of still, again, stuck together uh work well together as it turns out and they're able to jump to what is ever the what is the nearest system so then yeah. I, I as phasma would send out troops to here here there one of which will be finn eventually right we'll have that bit where those three characters then have to survive that keeps coming back in all of my stories and, and the main driving thing of, of act two where it's like just it's finn ben ray Having you know stuck stuck on a planet, having stuck, to, stuck I like to, the trio, yeah. like the campfire scene. Yeah, yeah. Although, said, although the, it, the it, kumbaya singing kumbayas, it's I've falling off it. for me ever so slightly in the past, like in the past few like sessions we've had chatting, just because of like the the idea of having them together, um, especially Finn and his ideology, and Ben and his ideology, especially when we want Ben to fall. Yeah, seems um seems harder to do. 
I'm struggling to find a place to fit it. And with my vision for my, my new version of the story, it's feeling a lot more like a new hope as opposed to that version, which is a lot more like return of the Jedi mm. where they are having like a chance to breathe and go on weird adventures and do wacky stuff. Yeah. You're on Endor, you're on Tatooine. Whereas there's so much going on that I'm just like finding myself like, I can't have this whole section of the story where basically there are three main characters doing nothing for an mm. extended period of time. As much as I love it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like such a fun idea. Um, something that we've played with heaps in, in our older versions and stuff, but so that's where they go next for you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's more, character driven that portion and it's you know from what they learn of each other yeah. out of that section is what will help them then yeah into our third act and the decisions they make yeah i also don't have ben like going solo running a han solo going <laughs> like running away at the end of the film okay to go be on his own i've got him uh basically being poised to be the the, the he will he will become the, the hero that he wanted to be it just so happens that that hero is still not a good person he will still have his fall to the dark side and he will more align with the new republic whilst our heroes our heroes go separately oh so he you stays know? with like with hux he stays with hux and hux is like is, you know, they're gonna fight the good fight against yeah. the first order and hux is championing this whole like building the lasers and stuff. he eventually will yeah, yeah. and there will be later are we keeping that later revelations of i'll tell you this much right now spoiler alert that mine in that independent planet yeah it's commissioned by hux nice yeah by kyber mine yeah so hux is like for you just like a total piece of shit from the get-go yeah, yeah. It changed him a bit. He's just, he's still, he's our charismatic Senator Hux. It's so fun going, like, we've gone back and forth a million times on Hux. Um, mm. And, like, is he straight up evil and doing the wrong thing from the start? Or is he a good person who becomes misguided? Yeah. Well, to, like, answer the whole, you know, villains think of themselves as heroes, in this instance, it's like, oh, fuck. Kyber Crystals are outlawed at the moment. But if I can orchestrate a little something something that means... I can, you know, get if I can weapons, bend the rules. Yeah, if I can get couple weapons for the greater good. legalized yeah. to help blow up those enemies out there, then I'll be a hero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so. it's definitely like bending the rules. It's just, yeah, I've I've definitely got in my mind. In this version, Hux for me is like a, just a lot more of like a good guy who was not around. He wasn't alive yet no. to see the firing of the Death Star weapon yeah. on Alderaan. And then he's up against Leia, who... I just keep coming back to this thing. Like, no one hates Kyber lasers more than Leia. Mm. No one in the yeah. galaxy hates them more than Leia. Yeah. Um, except any other Alderaan, Alderaanians who Alder weren't there. Yeah. What about, like, what about the guys? You see, you know, so whenever they fire the Death Star, you cut to there's always that, like, that tunnel shot of, mm. of there's two people at a control panel. Yeah. The radiation poisoning. <laughs> it's like they're working on Chernobyl. Like, oh, man. No, they're fine. Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah it's radiation free. Oh, true. Oh, is it? so bad about the Death Star if it's radiation free? <laughs> maybe, maybe Hux is right. About? Yeah. Yeah, what are we witching about? It's... Wait, it's solar powered? Oh no. Shit. This, this thing kind of might be cool. <laughs> but I think that's going to be everything for today. I think, yeah. I think we've covered a bunch of the stuff and I hope now by the end of the show you're kind of seeing, the, I hope you, the audience listening, can, can see in your mind the vision of, of where we're trying to go with the story and this whole Kyber battle and battling Phasma and taking her down and that kind of stuff and then seeing Ben fall in some kind of way mm. i think we've nailed i think we've nailed on the, the idea that ben is going to fall in some way it's let's just, just push him over yeah physically <laughs> there's his fall we knock him over chuck him down a cliff knock him off balance like one of those boston dynamics robots. it also seems like for those people who wanted han solo to live in the first movie unfortunately i'm sorry it's still we, we're holding true to harrison ford's contract we he wanted to die contract. he wanted to die yeah. <laughs> and he also wanted han solo to die both you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I think at this point Harrison Ford wants to die. He doesn't look comfortable anymore. He's grumpy all the time. Uh, no, that's just his persona. I think he's like a... He seems like he'd be like a legitimately nice guy. Yeah, probably. Um, just like off camera, you know? Mm. I feel like he is an act that he does in the public. And it's, 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 it's we perfect. love him for it. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like how Liam Gallagher is just an asshole. He's just a like constant asshole. And no one likes him because he's like a little twerp. But you go and watch him anyway. Who? The, um, he's a singer. He's the from guy from Oasis. Oasis. Oh, right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, our very first part one of Fixing the Force Awakens. Part one of six, seven, depending on how long we go, depending on how much time we need to, see. to get a good beat sheet, to get a good story. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the good stuff, which does not include Twitter. And until next time, may the Force be with you.